would to Job chapter 2. <clears throat> Job chapter 2. I forgot to mark my Bible. Give me a second here. <clears throat> Tonight I'm going to start the message a little different than normal. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start by reading a quote that I, gave, I, I said back on June 6th. If you don't remember June 6th, which I'm sure you don't, June 6th, Sunday uh, p.m. was the first night that we introduced the book of Job. And I made a statement that I'm going to read, and then I'm going to give a little bit of testimony, what God's done in my heart through my illness and everything uh, before I get into the message. But it's a little bit different kind of a start tonight, but I, I felt like um, it was appropriate to, um, to the passage of Scripture that we're in. Back on, uh, on October 6th, th this is what I said. We are about to embark on a study, and many of us may go through the furnace of suffering so that God can use us. How many of you remember me saying that? Then I read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, wherein we greatly rejoice... <clears throat> though now for a, uh, though now for a season, if any be, uh, ye are in heaviness of thought a manifold temptation, that the trying, excuse me, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perish, perisheth, <clears throat> though it be tried with fire, might be found unto peace, excuse me, unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want to go back and reread part of that. It said that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth. After reading that scripture back in October, I then made this statement that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth Money cannot buy the experiences that we learn from going through hard times. And at that point, I stopped and talked about some of the things that some of us have gone through. And you cannot put a dollar amount on the, the preciousness of our faith being stretched through those events. The ability to sit with the Perezes after they had lost their baby, have, having gone through that ourselves, is precious. You can't buy that kind of thing. Then I read Job chapter 23, verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then I made this statement. I said, I believe that we are given the book of Job for two reasons. One was so that we can learn patience and, and grow in our faith through trials. 
the second reason I gave was so that we can help others learn patience and help them grow through trials. As we all know, um, uh, I've been through some physical challenges over the last month or so, and I want to share some thoughts that God has brought me back to. Um, the the sermon that I preached on October 6th, God has brought me back to many times over the last several weeks. One of the things that I believe Satan uses in the life of Job, and we talked about this already, is that his grief came in waves. I don't know if you if you remember that or if you've ever recognized if you've ever read the book of Job, but it, it just as just as one announcement is being made, another one is right on the heels, and it's that it's that constant bombardment that that wave after wave after wave of bad news. It can become overwhelming. I remember sitting in the emergency room the last time we were in the emergency room. And we've made several trips to the emergency room over the last few weeks. I remember the last time getting told that I had multiple blood clots in my lungs, multiple pulmonary embolisms. And the first thing that went racing through my mind is, not again. The next day, laying on the ultrasound table. I don't know if you've ever had your leg ultrasounded before, but is that a word, ultrasounded? Okay, anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I remember laying there in this freezing cold room with this goopy gel stuff on my leg, and she's running this thing, and, and her telling me that I have a blood clot the entire length of my leg. And I just laid there and cried. But the Spirit spoke to my heart and reminded me of Job chapter 1, verse 22. And the Spirit whispered in my heart, in all this, Job sin not and charge God and <clears throat> nor charge God foolishly. And I can tell you that a peace came over me. Another tactic of Satan, and we're going to talk about this more in a few minutes, <clears throat> was. Job's friends. I had I have encountered some interesting conversations in the last couple of weeks. One was a text that I I got from a young man that I have I've been a dear friend to him. Uh, 
I've gone out of my way. He does not come to our church, but I have gone out of my way for, for, for many years to be a help and a, and a blessing to him to the best of my ability. And he texted me one day in the midst of all this stuff, and, and I actually went back to, to verify what he said, and this is a direct quote. <clears throat> he says, this is what he says, he says, you do not deserve this at all. And I texted him back and I said, the truth is, I deserve hell. How would Job have replied to that text? We have an answer. Job chapter 2, verse 10. But he saith unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Oftentimes we think because we're good people or I'm a pastor, I'm not, a, I, I, I'm, I'm not allowed to get sick, I'm not allowed to go through difficult times. That, that's not true. I had another friend uh, say, so what do you think God is trying to teach you through this? Now, I want to I stop right here and make a disclaimer. I have had multiple people in the church and, and different things ask me that question. And that's okay, because God, I believe, has done great things in my heart. And he has stretched my faith like never before. But this one individual asked the question in a very condescending and accusatorial way. You know what I mean? And it just broke my heart. Just like Job's friends. I want to I I have another disclaimer here. I, I want to say in no way, shape, or form am I claiming that what I have gone through over the last month or so is anything close to what Job went through, okay? Not, not, not even close. Uh, what I've gone through is a cakewalk. The point, the point is that the reason I wanted to talk about it tonight is because God has used what we have studied so far in the book of Job to get me through the, the trials that I've been through. And I'm here to tell you, and the reason I have said all that I've said tonight is to, to make this one point, this book works. Amen. This book works. I have been able to find peace and comfort in this book. I have been on multiple occasions the, the Spirit has whispered in my heart the, through what we have studied so far in the life of Job. And it has brought peace and comfort in my heart and my life. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, and the only reason I, I said what I said so far tonight is so that I can stand here and tell you the Word of God works. And if you will absorb this book, 
it can change your life. No, let, let me, it, it will change your life. So I said all that to get to the sermon tonight. <clears throat> Job chapter 2, the title of my sermon, we're going to be talking, we're going to be introducing uh, Job's three friends. And the title of my sermon tonight is The Comforters. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a couple snickers. Um, but you'll, I think you'll understand the context of the title once we get into the sermon, the message tonight. And it's going to be a, a short message with snack and everything tonight. And the fact that I knew that being tonight, uh, I wouldn't want to be on my leg very long. Uh, so I, I purposely did not uh, develop a very long sermon tonight. So uh, hopefully you're not mad at me about that. Um, but anyway, the comforters. Job chapter 2 Let's start reading in verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all the, this evil uh, that had come upon him, they came... Well, I, I want to stop right there for a second. And, and before we go any further, there, there's a statement that I just read that I think puts into context the attitude of his three friends. What what was the attitude of his three friends toward the trials that Job was going through? That they were evil. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is every trial that you go through evil? No. Now, did Satan have a hand in all of this? He did. But who gave Satan permission to do all this? God did. So, in context, were the trials that Job, that Job was going through, were they evil? No. So they had a misunderstanding of what God was doing in their hearts, or in the heart and the life of Job. Now when Job, Job's three friends heard of all the evil that had come upon him, they came every one to, uh, uh, from his own place, Eliphaz the, the uh, Temanite, and Bildad the, Shumanite, the, the Shuhite, and uh, Zophar uh, the Namanite, for they had come, uh, for, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to what? And to what? Comfort him. Hence the title of the message, The Comforters. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that as we look at your word tonight that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. Speak to our hearts, encourage us, strengthen us, and Lord, help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let me ask you a question. What was their intention? Okay, their intention was to, to bring comfort. Uh, <clears throat> we know uh, that they, later on, because most of us have read the story of Job, 
everybody is getting up trying to make sure that that alarm is not theirs. <laughs> um, it's still going. <laughs> oh, it's over the bowling alley. Okay. Okay. Um, we know because we, we know the story that Job's three friends lose the focus of their mission, do we not? And I believe it is goes back to verse 11 because they never understood the purpose of the trials. See, it is the purpose of the trials that would indicate how to react to them. So anyway, they're, they're, I believe that, they're, that these three friends have a right motive. In fact, that's the first point, their motive. Their motive was <clears throat> what motivated them. L- look at the verse. What, what motivated them? Okay, well, it was compassion, but they heard. Okay, it, they, they, they heard. <clears throat> Are we not putting up points tonight? <laughs> there we go. Okay. Uh-oh. Their, their motivation was the fact that they heard. Now, now okay, you got to understand now, who, who was Job? Okay, he's the richest guy in the East. Probably the richest guy alive. Now, I don't know who the richest guy is, uh, person uh, alive today, but if something like this happened to, I don't know, yeah, yeah, that guy, the Amazon guy, if something like this happened, do you think it would be news? Uh, Absolutely, it'd be news. You know, and it would be, it would, you know, it would travel, and 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 you you have to understand that that these these three guys, these three friends, <clears throat> lived far away. So as the as the news spread, what happened? They they contacted each other. Look at verse look at verse uh, verse eleven again. Now, when Job's uh, uh, three friends heard all the evil that was coming to him, they came, everyone from their own place, oh, and skip, let's skip down, uh, for they had made an appointment. They had communicated to each other and said, hey, on this particular day, in this particular place, let's get together and decide how we're going to react. Now, Again, you know, these, these guys are not picking up cell phones and calling each other. You know, they're, they're sending messengers. Job was considered the greatest man in the East. His reputation was known probably throughout the world. Have you ever noticed how famous people, when they go through difficult situations, it seems like it, it's worse for them than anybody else? Let, let, let me give you an example. How many of you know a guy named Alex Trebek? Okay, 
What's going on in his life? Okay. What about a guy named Pat? No. Charity's dad. How many of you know he's going through cancer? See, we we tend to take these famous people and, and lift them up and say, oh, we're so sorry for you. But God cries for Pat, too. What about Mrs. Fox? She's not, I haven't seen her on the news yet. I can tell you last week on the news, at least a dozen times I heard, I heard Alex Trebek mentioned on the news. How sad. But they made an appointment. They purposed to be a blessing to Job. They made an appointment. Now, again, I want you to understand the journey that they would have to take. Not only for them to just communicate and set up a time and place for all of them to meet, but then once they get to that meeting place, now they have to travel to where Job is. And, and it, it is an expensive proposition in, 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 that, in that day and time because you didn't just get in your car and drive, drive to Reno. It was it, it 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 would it would be the equivalent of moving your entire family because they would travel in caravans. So now you've got these three probably very rich men. Now this huge caravan of servants and and all the probably security force going along with them and all of the the paraphernalia and all of this stuff now transitioning to where Job is. The cost was phenomenal. Why? Because they wanted to comfort their friend. We can, I believe, say that that these three friends were compassionate, were they not? I think their compassion gets misguided here, and we'll see that in, in the coming weeks. And another thing that we'll see in the coming weeks is that these men were not heathen. They, they, they were all believers in the one true God. In, excuse me, in today's vernacular, we would, we would say, well, these are godly men. Men, men that you know, we, would, we would believe really want to help. So their motivation, I believe, was, was pure. But let's look at their purpose. What was their purpose? It was, it's given to us in, at the end of verse 11, and it is to, to mourn with him and to comfort him. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Rejoice with them that, uh, that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Proverbs chapter 17 uh, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born of adversity. <clears throat> friends do not forsake friends in time of trouble. 
in the midst of all of this stuff that I've been going through, I have a, a friend named Steve. I won't tell you his last name because it's not important. But in the last 30 years, I have seen Steve face to face one time. But we're, we're friends on Facebook. And, and occasionally we'll text and call each other. But we've only seen each other one time in 30 years. I, I met Steve originally in, in, uh, in junior high, and we've been friends ever since. And Steve texted me, I don't know, in the last week or so, and just said, hey, buddy, I want to check on you and see how you're doing. 30-year retired cop out of Long Beach, California. You know, it's, it's pretty bad when people my own age are already retired. I'm like, man, how do you do that, man? But anyway, uh, you know, just, a, just a, a neat guy. But anyway, he texted me and he just says, hey, buddy, how you doing? I want to check on you. You know, and I wrote him back and I, you know, I told him how, how I was doing. And I, and, I, and I said this, I said, thanks for caring. And he wrote me back something and I, I hope I never forget it. He, and he, he texted me back a question and he said, isn't that what friends are supposed to do? Here's an unsaved friend of mine. At least as far as I know, he's not saved. Showing compassion. Caring. The word mourning here is, is, is a, um, it, is, it is a word that describes an outward expression of sympathy. And we'll, as, we'll read the next couple of verses here and it'll, it'll describe it a little bit more. But it is the outward expression of sympathy. And the word comfort here means to console or to, to, to be there with someone. We all know, again, that these guys, these friends are going to fail. In fact, in Job chapter 16, uh, verses, uh, verse 1, <clears throat> uh, it says, Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. I, 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 <laughs> I guess it's verse 2, I'm sorry. Um, but, it, you know, uh, Job just kind of lays it out there. Little, little on the brutal side, <laughs> but uh, miserable comforters are y'all. Now, now I, w- I want to stop here, and I want to, I want to help with something that I don't think is talked about a lot in churches. How do you, how do you be a good comforter? Um, be, be careful what you say. Okay. Uh, again, most of you know that uh, not only am I a pastor, but I am also a chaplain with Lyon County Sheriff's Department. And I got a call one time. I had, I was actually in Lovelock. I had just left the prison, and I got a call from Lyon County that I was needed on a on a on a death of an infant uh, in Silver Springs, and I was the only chaplain available. And I said. I'm in Lovelock. They said, they'll wait. 
you got to get there as soon as possible. I said, okay, tell them I'm on my way. So I, I got there as quick as I could. You know, so, I mean, you're talking, what, an hour and a half, close to two hours. <clears throat> and I get there, and I, I park on the street, and I, and I started walking through the yard, and there's a couple standing in the yard. And as I walked past this couple, I, I just assumed they were neighbors. I, I didn't know. I just, I, I, I really wasn't thinking. And I said, how are y'all doing? And the husband of the, of the couple said, well, we just lost our grandchild. How do you think we're doing? I had said the wrong thing. We need to be careful what we say. I want to help you with some things to never say. If you're you're taking notes, write these down. Never say the following. Never say, I know what you're going through. Never say that. Because the truth is, you don't know. Now, you may have an idea. You may have been through something similar, but you do not know exactly what that individual is going through. So never say that. Another thing to never say is, oh, you'll be fine. Don't ever say that. Oh, and by the way, if you're ever on a sheriff's call and you're walking out of a driveway and there's an old cu- older couple standing there, never ask them how they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Another thing you should never say is they're in a better place. Don't ever say that. This is one that gets a lot of people in a lot of trouble, and that is you can always have another baby. You can always, and fill in the blank. They'll never say those things. And then, but this is my favorite. Oh, this happens to everyone eventually. And I could go on and on, but all I, my point is this. We need to be comforters. Our motivation needs to be pure. And our purpose needs to be thoughtful. And we need to be careful what we say and what we do. Number three the heartbreak of their coming. The heartbreak of their coming. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, they knew him not. In other words, 
they saw him, they saw Job, but they didn't even write. His body was so distorted from the illness and all of the disease and all of the stuff, they didn't even recognize him. They lifted up their voices and wept, and they rent uh, every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward, toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spoke a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. When they saw Job, they were caught off guard. Obviously, they did not know what to expect. They had only knew what they had heard. More than likely, just because of the, the, the time it would have taken them to communicate with each other, meet up, travel, and do everything, a, 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 lar- a, a long time had 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 taken place between Job's initial uh, illness and the, the, the time that <clears throat> they had been able to see him. The shock of his appearance, you can see by these verses, uh, was for them very traumatic. But there's something here that I think we all need to understand and remember, and that is tragedy is a part of life. And if you have never experienced tragedy, uh, you will. And reacting to tragedy is important. It is, it is, it is key to understand how to react. In verse 12, we're told that they that they uh, cry with a loud voice and that they, they, they rent their mantle and they, they sprinkle dust in their heads. And, and in today's society, we would look at these people and we'd say, wow, that's a little over the top. But you have to understand the society that, that of the day, what was going on. What, what they did was, was absolutely understandable for the time. It was, it, it was customary to do this very thing. In fact, in, in some cases, the, the, morning, the, the exterior mourning part was so important to the Jews that they would often time hire people to mourn. Boy, can you imagine that job? Yeah, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a crier, baby. I, I, I cry for days. But it was, it was an integral part of their of their uh, of their grief system. Now I want to say something here that is really really important. Grief is a healthy thing. Grief God God has given us the mechanism of grief to help us deal with loss and disappointment. Grief is a good and healthy thing. But too much grief can turn into bitterness and anger. Now, I've had people ask me, well, when, when should the grieving be done? 
I can't answer that question because it's different for every person. They grieved and they, they wept and they, and they basically fasted for seven days without a word being spoken. Now, put yourself in that situation. Do you think that silence is a good thing? Now, I, wanna, I want you to think about this for a second. Because in... In, in difficult situations, in tragedy, when people come to comfort, when we come to comfort, silence can be incredibly awkward. Do you know what I mean? There are many times as a pastor and a chaplain where all I do is just sit and let silence take over. The, the example that we are given here, for seven days, these guys said nothing. And when somebody is in the midst of grieving, and many of you in this room have grieved, and you know what I'm about to say is the absolute, absolute truth, there are times you just want to be left alone. You just want silence. You want to be able to think, to pray. But because silence can be awkward, it is when oftentimes we say the stupid things that we regret. I came across a quote. I don't know who said it, but I liked it. It says, it is, it is always better to say nothing than to, than to say something wrong. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, a, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. And sometimes the fitly word, word that needs to be spoken actually is silence. You know, we are, are getting ready to embark on a, a criticism tour, if you would, on Job's three friends, because they, they say and do some really dumb things. And we're going to learn from these guys. But before we get into that, I wanted to just spend some time and say that, you know what? These guys came to be a blessing. They came to be an encouragement. They came with the right purpose and the right motive. When they saw, his, when they saw their friend and the condition that he was in, they were just absolutely sickened and heartbroken. My point in all of this tonight was hopefully to communicate to you some of the things that they as we will unfold this, some of the things they did wrong and some of the things that they did right. So that when we are in these situations, we can learn how to do things right and how to do th- and, and not and not do some things. 
a little bit different kind of message tonight, but I believe it can be a helpful message to us tonight. Because the reality is, grief is something that we're all going to experience. Brian was telling me uh, tonight that uh, he was reading the obituaries. Why do you read the obituaries anyway? <laughs> okay, anyway, he was reading the obituaries of Fallon and and a, what, 41? 40, 43-year-old man, very similar situation to me, dead. Complication from knee surgery. You know what? There's a family grieving right now. See, tragedy is a part of life. And how we handle it can either point people to Christ or point people away from Christ. Let's do it so we're pointing people to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you.